What's going on, ladies and dirtbags? Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, the premier load-bearing essential pack company out there, especially for us. And if you guys don't know who Mystery Ranch is, well, you've probably been living under a rock or you haven't started in this career exactly yet. But Mystery Ranch makes some of the finest load-bearing equipment in the world, and they are always built for the mission. And if you guys won't be on fire gear, uh, they make everyday packs. Like if you guys need something for, I don't know, trekking across Europe, they've got a solution for that. If you guys need something like a briefcase, they got that. If you guys need just an everyday backpack or military backpack or a police or anything, they've got you covered. So with that being said, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out their full line of load bearing essentials. They are awesome. Also, they're uh, going to be working on some uh, big projects here. Uh, they got the Backbone series coming out here soon, and uh, I am stoked to be working with them on that. So once again, www.mysteryranch.com. And another sponsor of the show is going to be Hot Shot Brewery. Oh yeah, the premier coffee sponsor of the Anchor Point Podcast. They make some kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, the most kicking assassinist, kicking assinist, kick assinist cause. Well, anyways, that kick-ass cause is going to be the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. A portion of their proceeds is always going to go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and. Yeah, it's just good coffee for a good cause. I am a huge supporter of those guys, and they are a huge supporter of the Anchor Point Podcast. They support us by slinging our merch. So if you guys want one of your uh, Anchor Point tees or stickers, or hell, if you even got a baby on the way, we even got some onesies for you guys. So go over to there to www.hotshotbrewery.com and get you some. Yeah, you can get some coffee. You can get some uh, apparel. They have a full line of apparel to help support that uh, firefighter culture and identity. And they have all of the tools to trade to get your morning started right. So once again, head over to www.hotshopbrewery.com. Oh, yeah. And by the way, if you guys uh, order over $125 worth of uh, stuff, well, you get free shipping. So check them out. And last but not least... The Anchor Point Podcast is brought to you by the Smoky Generation, a.k.a. the American Wildfire Experience. Bethany has an awesome organization going on over there, and what it is is a, well, it's a collection. It's a digital archive of wildland firefighting stories uh, dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's pretty badass, and there's uh, hundreds of stories over there. So if you guys go over to www.wildfireexperience.org, you can check all of it out. It's pretty cool, man. You guys uh, might learn something. And it's like a little history lesson about firefighting in the uh, uh, in North America, pretty much. So another thing that's pretty cool about that whole organization is that they are doing some grants for you folks out there in the field. Yeah, you might have an opportunity to win a $500 grant if you guys happen to be a, fire, a firefighter who's a writer a blogger, a photographer, cinematographer. If you guys are telling the story and perpetuating that awesome story of wildland firefighting in uh, either Canada or America, well, you guys got an opportunity. They've paired up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pump to help facilitate these grants, and it is awesome. So once again, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check them out. The 
views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. I know this this uh, coronavirus thing is kind of making us stir crazy because we're kind of locked inside of our homes. And uh, I hope you guys are doing your part and not going out and partying or doing anything dumb. And you're taking this social distancing thing to heart because we all know that it's not about you or me getting sick. It's about other people especially those that are immunocompromised or over the age of 65, those at-risk populations. So do your part, wash your hands, don't be a D-bag. Anyways, a little bit about coronavirus today. We're going to talk about how to, well, keep your keep your damn sanity during this whole corona quarantine BS. So we're going to have, today. well, today on the show, we have Dr. Anthony Harrell. He is a physical therapist, a doctorate of physical therapy down in the San Jose area. And he is a former Yukonom hotshot. So he is an awesome dude. He's been on the show before and I'm happy to have him back. But we're going to talk about, you know, keeping uh, your sanity, some things that you can do as far as being in your home for fitness, uh, some mental health tips as well. He is also the uh, co-founder or sorry, founder of the Human Resilience Project, and he's pumping out a lot of good stuff over there. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Anthony Harrell on the Anchor Point podcast. Welcome to the Anchor Point. You ready? Yep. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Dr. Anthony Harrell. What's going Thanks on? Thanks for buddy? having me. Welcome, Thanks for welcome, having me. Well, welcome back. back. Yeah, welcome back. This is your second appearance on the uh, show. It feels good. Feels, uh, feels like home. <laughs> Speaking of home, dude, this, uh, this COVID quarantine is just like, I'm, I'm about to lose my mind pretty wild. Uh, I'm out here in the Bay area, uh, for all those who, who, you know, may or may not know me down in San Jose. And so Santa Clara County, where I'm at right now is like the hardest hit area in California. We've got, I think 350 plus cases. Oof. So it's kind of rampant. I'm, I'm kind of holed up in the house right now, hoping to not, you know, expose myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to be hard to do too, especially when you uh, work for a medical practice too. I, uh, well, let's doctor, you are a physical therapist, not an MD yeah. or a virologist. Yeah, I think, yes. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Clear the air on that first. Yeah. So, uh, for those who, who don't know me, uh, I've been a licensed doctor of physical therapy practicing since 2016. Um, I've kind of ran the gamut from outpatient sports, physical therapy, and performance. Um, and currently I'm in a more medically complex sector, which is home health, uh, more like acute injury and disease. So I've kind of seen everything from acute to chronic, uh, sports performance to, you know, the elderly. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different things. 
That's pretty cool, man. I mean, what, what do you specialize in? If it's like one thing that you can hang your hat on as far as like your medical practice, uh, what would you say it, it is? So I would say as of right now, um, a lot of it is general capacity and more of a general practitioner. Um, that's not where my, my heart really is. My heart and my mind, I would say, is more still towards performance and connecting with folks like the wildland fire community. Um, the opportunity, however, and to pay the bills has been more in being a generalist and that's, it's exciting too. I see a lot of, uh, COPD, um, a lot of heart issues, a lot of people who are much more medically complex and medically unstable. Um, so that keeps me on my toes. So I would say as far as growing as a generalist, that's really been my bread and butter, uh, the past couple of years. Nice, man. And now for the folks out there listening right now, uh, that is, those are guys that haven't listened to his, uh, your previous episode. You're a, a hotshot for quite some time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worked for the Yukonom Hotshots uh, between 2009 and 2012. I took off a little bit of time to get my uh, schooling, my prerequisites done to get into graduate school. Um, but I had a blast. I got really, really lucky. Uh, kind of hopped onto a crew as a, as a newbie. Uh, no prior experience other than some structure, volunteer structure experience. Um, but I just, I really lucked out right time, right place. And, uh, I'll just say, you know, got my, got my butt handed to me, uh, that first season, <laughs> but I never came back, uh, you know, out, out of shape or, or with anything lower as far as expectations go ever again. And it's really transformed my life and kind of set me up as more of a go-getter now and being prepared for anything that comes my way. Oh yeah, man. That's a cool thing about hotshot, man. It's, uh, even if you're doing it temporary, a lot of those things will have a lasting impression and kind of last with you for the rest of your life. Kind of follow you through, I mean, even to your medical practice, like you with the whole, uh, physical therapy thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would say, uh, you know, some of the key takeaways as far as like determination, perseverance, uh, discipline, th- those things never go away. And really, I, I was actually quite surprised to take away a lot of the lessons from hot shotting and firefighting and how those have, those have applied, uh, in the real world. Um, it's really elevated me and me and my practice and it's pushed me, uh, business wise and, and otherwise. So oh, yeah. good. that's awesome. And so what was like your gnarliest experience out there fighting fire? <sighs> I would actually say some of the gnarliest stuff, um, was, the first year, um, actually some of the, the physical preparation, you know, that's, that's some of the stuff that really comes to mind. And I think that's kind of why I'm here is to spread a message of, you know, always being fire ready. And, uh, I will, I, you know, I recall some of the hikes just being absolutely brutal and, you know, like a run, hike, run <laughs> type of setup or uh, go, you know, cut some hand line and then go run again during the training. I, I mean, the critical time period is really in the preparation and believe it or not, and I think that's how it's supposed to be is, you know, you want a lot of the gnarliest things to be at the beginning uh, when you're preparing. So that way, when you get to a fire or on the line, you're not feeling like you're going through absolute hell. Um, so physically, I would say the hardest part was that first season, just in the uh, the preparation, the physical training, et cetera, and uh, getting getting my butt ridden by some of the, the saltier veterans on the crew, which I needed and uh, never again, will, you know, will you catch me slacking or anything like that? Um, that was the, the roughest part. 
No, man. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some trials and tribulations that you have to experience and kind of like earn your stripes. But, you know, it, you mentioned something very important there and that's to, you know, get the hardest stuff out of the way, like right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the message that I'm really trying to spread. And I'm, and I'm happy that you're having me on here today is, uh, I'm trying to get people to think of, you know, wildland firefighting. I know you have the same message. It's very, uh, it comes in waves. It's, you know, there's a big bulk seasonal component to it, even to those who are on full-time year round. Uh, most of the firefighting occurs within a certain time period. Um, so people think of it as seasonal, but it really needs a full-time mentality. And I think there's been a big lack of that mindset from the, uh, from, from kind of like the whole big picture here. I won't point any pictures, uh, point any fingers. Um, but the big picture really, they, it leaves it up to like the individual crews and the individual units and the individual firefighters to prepare. And we need to take it a little bit more serious. Um, so what that way we're, we're preventing, you know, injuries and fatalities, et cetera. So I really think, you know, it might maybe a seasonal job, but it really takes a full time, uh, mindset to, to prepare. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, your physical fitness needs to be at the top of the game, especially in the career that we've chosen to do with wildland firefighting. I mean, your life literally depends, well, could literally depend on your physical fitness. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Absolutely. But aside from that, dude, this coronavirus, it's, it's killing me, man. Let's talk about that. So you're running a, a, a practice right now. You're doing mm-hmm. the uh, physical therapy thing. I mean, what is like the hardest thing about this whole pandemic and you running your practice? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest part is dealing with the fear and anxiety and some of the, the stigmas surrounding it. Um, I thought that that would actually be some of the smallest things that I was dealing, I would be dealing with on a day to day. But the fear and anxiety and, you know, the panic that's come out of this has been astronomically uh, difficult <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's really failed <laughs> quickly. So, um, you know, and I, I was I was preparing for our talk here and I just looked up, you know, some of the facts about it, about COVID-19. So coronavirus, for those who don't know, there's actually multiple forms of it. And just like a quick like recap, uh, COVID-19 is not SARS. SARS, which happened a, a little while back, uh, SARS stands for severe acute respiratory syndrome, and it killed a lot of people as well. They're both from the same coronavirus family, um, but this, they keep calling this one COVID-19, a novel coronavirus, because they've not seen it before. And, you know, when the media goes out and portrays that to the public, people, some people run with it a little too far to push uh, different agendas, but most of all, people are just scared because they don't know what to expect. Um, and so I think the biggest and hardest challenge I face so far as a clinician is really just educating people, uh, to, to wash their hands, to cover your cough, to, you know, if you feel sick, just have some, you know, good manners and respect to not go out to the store and spread it. (laughs) Don't wipe your nose and go and touch like public doorknobs and all that. (laughs) It's, it's been a little challenging. I I forget like how much people, uh, don't take hygiene that serious. You know, that's the funny thing too. Cause like, uh, we, I mean, my wife carries around hand sanitizer and stuff like that. And she's asking me, you know, maybe we should get some N95 masks. I'm like looking at it and I'm just shaking my head because I'm an EMT. I've done clinicals. I'm yeah. going through all this other stuff for my AEMT. And, uh, it's, it's just those proper precautions, man. Wash your damn hands, be courteous, just like you're saying, but folks, the masks, especially like the cloth ones, those are for sick people. So they don't spread droplets. Okay. An N95 mask is not going to do much because if you think about it, if you're gloved up and you're N95 masked up and going to the store, you're touching so many things. And 
<laughs> you're inevitably going to touch your face with these gloves on. You're probably not right. going to take them off and you're probably contaminating your mask more so than just washing your damn hands. You know, it's, yeah. it's, I just find it so ironic, the level of panic and these people buying toilet paper and stocking up. And it's like, come on guys, really? Yeah. Have some common sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, from a clinician's perspective and, you know, like similar to you, a first responders perspective, it's, it's been, a it's been hell to deal with in the sense that, you know, for example, uh, the practice that I'm in right now, we just don't have the equipment to properly go and, and suit up and go treat people, mm-hmm. um, who are coming in with the COVID-19 diagnosis. And that's sad because, uh, they've got to be treated and they've got to go somewhere and we are going to see them. And, uh, you know, for example, I've been told to put a shoe cover on over my head to cover my, my head and then just try to, you know, seal over with a bandana or something like that to cover my mouth so I can go in and treat these families, um, with COVID-19. And that's sad, you know, the N95 mask and like the respirators and all that, um, floating around in the public. I mean, it's just wrong. Like you said, it can be totally prevent, uh, prevented by washing your hands, having good hygiene. If you're sick, stay home. Um, if the CDC and the world health organization have said that multiple times and all the panic really is doing is putting first responders, uh, frontline workers at risk. So, Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing too. If someone's actually infected and they are presenting symptoms of COVID-19, those masks and that PPE and those gowns and those hairnets and all that stuff, those are for first responders and doctors, guys. Exactly. If, if anything, I mean, if you have a stockpile of these things, just do the world a favor and go down to an EMS department or a doctor's office or the trauma room and just give them to them. I mean, for yeah. F sakes, guys, come on. Turn it in. <laughs> Turn it in. Do someone else a favor because the first responders need these protections because their viral loading, well, their exposure to viral loading is going to be so much greater. Absolutely. And that's something else, you know, to point out. I saw an article earlier today. I uh, can't remember what news source it came from, but it essentially said, what are we going to do if we run out of uh, first responders and healthcare workers? And that's a scary part because a lot of people are getting infected. And just like we're seeing in Spain, uh, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think it was like 10% or more infected uh, currently are healthcare workers. And, uh, you know, we don't want to think about how that would really affect us and the panic that would come from that if we don't have people to respond to help us out. And that's the whole idea, the whole premise behind the flat and the curve thing too. It's like, you know, if you stay in there, I mean, we're not going to overload the hospitals. We're not going to overload our healthcare system. And it's just going to be a lot better because this thing, it could go around. It could be around for quite a long time. but. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do your uh, homework and make it sustainable for the healthcare industry, then it's going to be a lot better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I'm, I'm not a physician or anything like that. Um, a lot of the information I get is from the CDC and the World Health Organization. And so if anybody's curious, I highly encourage you to go check those websites out. Um, I know some people don't believe in it and, you know, that's fine. Um, but the, the, information, the top scientists, the people that we trust to be the experts are currently publishing information from the CDC and World Health Organization. So if you have questions or, you know, any, any information that you need to get, go there. Don't go to Instagram and Facebook and exactly. And all the, don't go to memes. <laughs> yeah. Karen, your friend on Facebook, Karen is not a virologist or an infectious uh, right. control expert. Okay. So, uh, yeah follow. You know, it's funny that you say that though. You may be a doctor, but you're not a virologist or infectious disease expert, right? But you do have common sense. And I wish that more people had common sense about this whole ordeal. 
Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, man, the longer that we, we don't adhere to this, it's just going to further drag it out. And, you know, there's not going to be any uh, football or basketball, whatever people are looking forward to entertainment. So if you think it, it sucks now, wait until we're still sitting in our houses in two months <laughs> because we're not listening. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, that's the thing too, is like, if, uh, you know, if we relinquish this quarantine thing too early, this, I guess this, this, uh, prevalence of the virus is just going to pulse because what they're going to do is they're going to relieve the, or relieve the quarantine. People are going to go out and do their normal business. And then you're going to have a spike in cases. And then it's going to shut down again, then so on and so forth, this rinse and repeat cycle. And I, you know, it's, it's no telling how long this is going to go on for. Exactly. So fingers crossed that people will just, you know, Hey, pull together. Let's all just hang out, stay inside, wash your hands. If you're sick, don't go out. Um, I guess like so one of the big things I want to throw out since we have a platform here is, um, you know, and I see this a lot in the clinical practice that I'm in. People are always asking, when do I go out? When do I worry? When do I go call a physician or go to the ER? And, you know, I just looked at the list on the CDC today, just wanted to pass it on. You know, if you have a fever, 100.5 degrees or more, um, if you're having trouble breathing, uh, persistent chest pain, that's when you go out. But otherwise, what we've been told uh, by my fellow uh, medical practitioners, some nurses and physicians, they're essentially just telling us to tell people like, treat it like, uh, you know, like you're, you're putting out symptoms, you know, get the NyQuil, DayQuil, whatnot, and uh, stay home, hydrate, do your best to rest up. So it, it doesn't have to be as big of a deal as we're making it. Exactly. Tylenol is an excellent fever reducer and uh, yeah. follow guidelines yeah. on the dosages on the bottle. Don't take a yeah. shit ton of it. For, come on, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never good. <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of all this coronavirus quarantine BS, um, this affects us all. And it's important to take precautions, of course. And I think that for the most part, uh, at least our first responders understand this and we're doing exactly that. But also, I think it's important to take this as an opportunity for self-improvement. And now you running and founding the Human Resilience Project, you've been putting out a lot of good uh, good stuff out there. So what are you, some of your suggestions? I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, Human Resilience Project is you know something that is actually founded out of... Um, more so my fire experience than most people know. And more than I talk about, it's really, you know, resilience is uh, something that we're trying to breed in the fire community and to instill in the fire community. And a lot of the lessons I learned there, um, like we talked about before, they apply to real life situations. It applies to, uh, you know, managing yourself and managing the people around you. And so as far as that goes, uh, my fiance and I, we're just trying to put out content through that, that really empowers people uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and trying to arm people with science-based, evidence-based, factual information. So that way you don't have to second guess what to do. Um, so some of the recommendations I would have uh, right now for people at home, especially, um, I'll start with kind of the mental aspect of things and emotional aspect of things. Uh, you know, if you, this time can be totally wasted or it can be totally maximized. You know, you could come out of this quarantine ready to rock, ready for fire season. I mean, fire season is going to happen, uh, whether there is a virus, a worldwide pandemic going on or not, and they're going to need firefighters. So if you're not arming yourself physically and mentally, um, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing those around you uh, a disservice. Um, so I was, you know, I'm really encouraging people get out there and, and start listening to podcasts, read a book, um, start there, start, you know, somewhere easy. Uh, if you're not listening to the anchor point podcast regularly, I think you should. <laughs> Shameless plug. Thanks buddy. <laughs> yeah. he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tell me to say that, but I, I think that there's a lot of uh, good information and a lot of exposure to people 
who care about you, uh, you being the fire community um, that come onto this. So make sure, you know, you go through those and listen to what people have to say. Um, even if it's not like a health professional or uh, somebody higher up, even if it's an interview just with a fellow firefighter, I mean, there's so many lessons that can be learned from each other. Um, so many tidbits of information for those who are rookies, for those who are new to a crew, um, for those who are seasoned vets. I mean, just different perspectives and stories. That's how we learn is through stories. And that's what this platform has been really great about is connecting each other through that. So that's a free, free bit of education just by listening to this podcast. So there's one plug there. Um, Another podcast that I really enjoy, and I think a lot of people in the fire and tactical community enjoy is the Jocko podcast. Hell yeah. Uh, I don't know if you listen to that one, but that's, I mean, just pure gold <laughs> as oh, far yeah. as leadership goes. I, I listen to him and uh, Joe Rogan almost religiously. And I just think it's so, so funny because Jocko's podcast, it's like so overwhelmingly serious. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> just a zero, I'm going to say he's a zero fuck around kind of guy. So and that's what I appreciate about him. Absolutely. And, and, uh, a lot of the things that he says, I mean, uh, it comes from his past experience in, in the military, but the things he, he, the tidbits he delivers can be applied to any sector, any industry, um, any type of person. So I, you know, nobody is, uh, under, uh, you know, anybody can be a leader and anybody can grow their leadership, whether you're in a higher up position or lower position. So I think that's a really good one to expose yourself to. And like you said, people like Joe Rogan are really good as well. Um, I'm fans of all those. So podcasts are a place to start. Um, as far as the books to read, I wanted to, uh, also mention, you know, some, some things about self-development, um, too often our firefighters, especially since most of most firefighters are a lot younger. Uh, a lot of the seasonals are a lot younger. And I remember being in this position, I didn't really see myself as anything, but a temp, anything, but, you know, I'm going to be here fighting fire with my buddies for, six months or whatnot, and then go on with my life. And I think that that's the wrong way to look at things. Um, that's, you know, you always need to see everything as an opportunity and a, and a place to grow. And even if you're there for one season or two seasons, like I mentioned before, there's always a way um, you can take away uh, leadership training, um, just physical knowledge, physical fitness knowledge, what, what, whatever, it can run the gamut of anything you can learn something wherever you're at and apply that to the next step of your life. And so you need to open your mind to some of these things that they're going to teach you uh, on the crew. And I think like a lot of people don't have experience in communicating their emotions. And if you, you know, if you haven't worked with a crew of 20 before, you're going to learn in a really quick, fast way, what it means to uh, be transparent, uh, be steadfast with what you want and also be ready to compromise with your superiors or supervisors or suit captain, squad leader, whatnot. Uh, I, I remember coming on uh, brand new, like I said, in 2009 to hot shotting and uh, never had been camping or anything like that a day in my life. Never had, had gone and swung a tool for hours at a time. And I remember uh, my captain rode my ass pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I remember, you know, being fearful to, to talk to him, to, to communicate what I needed and what I wanted. And it wasn't anything to do with him. It was simply like I wasn't self-aware. And uh, in a roundabout way, I'm trying to say, like, you know, if you have a chance to read some books on emotional intelligence, self-awareness, on communication, do it. That is the uh, most important thing you can do as fire season nears here is to get to know yourself. And a couple places I recommend people starting is a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth and another book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I've read Those that one. Two, 
oh man, they are solid reads so and uh, really life changing. Yeah, it's there's just so many tidbits to take away from that, and that's only going to help you the more aware you are of yourself and how to communicate with different people. Because as you know, in the fire service, I mean, we come into all different walks of life, all different types of people. And if you can't get along, you're not going to be on a crew for very long. So, well, that's another thing too, is like, you need to learn how to communicate with your tribe, right? You mm -hmm. need to understand how to communicate as a team and work effectively as a team or else you're not going to get a damn thing done. And that's just the flat out truth of things. So, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of compromise, but also there's a lot of self-awareness involved in that whole process. So definitely, definitely some good reads, man, especially that emotional intelligence 2.0. I've read that one. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's life changing. <laughs> when you start being more self-aware of yourself and, and your habits, uh, you know, your whole life can, can improve. So I, I think those are some good places to start. And I, I hope people, you know, they hear this and they're, they're like, well, I was expecting more, uh, you know, what can I do physically? And we'll get to that as well. But man, if you, if you take care of your mental state, um, it's, it's in the long run, it's only going to serve you better. And, uh, it's going to make you more resilient over, over the long season. And then after you're done with fire. So highly recommend you start reading right now. Hell yeah, man. I'll uh, definitely plug some links in there to maybe some Amazon links or something like that for those two books as well. Um, so human resilience project. Now you guys are doing so a lot of, a lot of stuff over there through the, uh, the, I guess, resilience community. I kind of, you've kind of founded your own little niche in that market, I guess you could say, but tell us about human resilience project. Yeah. So uh, I would say it's, it's pretty free flowing right now. We, we work with and, um, correspond with people all over the world. That's the great thing about the internet is you can, you know, talk to people in the UK, Australia, where, wherever they're speaking the same language. That's the one barrier. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, it's, it's been great, you know, uh, from CrossFitters to like stay at home moms. Um, I've worked with a couple fire folks, uh, and really, um, we're here to present a lot of free information about health, uh, how to be well, um, how to improve your, your lifestyle, how to get healthy and manage your stress through lifestyle and behavior change, since that is where the majority of issues come from. Um, most things are a drop in the bucket compared to how you live your life over the period of a month or a year. And it's really the average of how you're living that you want to keep improving. Um, too often we worry about the small rocks and not the big rocks in our life. So that's what we're trying to tell people and get that message out and say, Hey, you know, it all, the, the buck stops with you. Um, take the power back, empower yourself. It doesn't have to be confusing. Being healthy doesn't have to be confusing. Um, we've all been there as far as being sad and depressed or feeling alone or feeling bad about ourselves. Um, and it's time, you know, it's time to, to arm yourself with, with ways to grow and get stronger and combat those feelings. So whether you're a tactical athlete, uh, crossfitter, stay at home, mom or dad, um, all that stuff can be applicable in a different degree and capacity along, along the whole spectrum. Nice, man. I, I dig it because especially when you're throwing out these little small tidbits of information that are easily digestible. I mean, think of yourself as a sculpturist, right? You're, you're carving out your life. Basically you don't, you start at this block of stone and you want to make the statue of David. Well, you got to start somewhere. You take small chunks at a time, man. And once you're done with it, I mean, Hey, you got a masterpiece. So that's a cool thing. And then a lot of value that I see with the human resilience project is these small digestible pieces that you could chip away at that big old block of granite and then right. eventually make it into something beautiful. So I dig exactly. it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And, um, I'm hoping that we can actually get more 
fire folks over there uh, eventually. Hopefully, if some people hear this, if you have any questions, uh, reach out. What's been great about um, what we're doing there and about the Anchor Point podcast um, is that I've connected with, you know, I've not been in fire for a couple of years, but my heart is still there. My mind is still there. And I've got a new skill set to apply and to use for people that are going through it now. Um, and I just, uh, you know, people do listen to your podcast have reached out to me with questions about like, Hey, like I'm, I'm rehabbing from an ACL surgery, any recommendations? Um, I can't run in, I'm not running into any other medical providers who know what we go through. Uh, do you have anybody you can con connect me with, or can you help me? Um, and, and I've been helping people virtually through, uh, you know, telehealth through, um, email, uh, text webcam. I mean, we just have so much connectedness opportunities now, um, that I'm just so thankful that people went from the anchor point podcast to reaching out on my personal profile to following human resilience project. I mean, there's so much to be learned, uh, from both and from each other. And I mean, the internet has opened up a whole world of opportunity. You can't say that there isn't somebody out there who doesn't know how you feel. Um, all you have to do is, you know, look here on the anchor point podcast or look at human resilience project. And, and we're here We're we're, we're not, uh, we're not hiding. We're, we're waiting to help people. And at human resilience project, that's what I want. More people come over. Like let's, uh, let's let me help you. And a lot of it has been done for free. Um, quite frankly, because I want to give back to that, that community, the fire community. And I can't promise that, you know, everything is free, but 99% actually of the work that we've done so far has been totally free. And whether it's free advice on questions, free generalized templates to prepare for the season, um, free tips or, you know, tricks for re rehabbing uh, oneself, it's been free. And I think long term, my fiance and I were talking and she supports me on this one is uh, I would like to set up um, maybe like a nonprofit that reaches out into the fire sector and takes human resilience project from the general people uh, service aspect to be a little more specialized in the tactical community um, because there's been a huge gap in taking care of wildland firefighters in the off season when they're done. And that resilience, that fire readiness, that mental state, that physical state needs to continue. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's a cool thing too, is like, I mean, that's, that's the cool whole, like, I guess, chain of events here is people, I, I find out about people through random firefighters. I specialize in showcasing their stuff, like your stuff. I send them to you. You send them, if you don't know or don't have the specialization to help them, you send them elsewhere. And it's this whole chain of events that comes full circle and it's all about helping firefighters. And that's why I appreciate your practice and the human resilience project so much because it comes full circle. I, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Like none of this would, would happen had, uh, you know, we not taken a chance to, to reach out to one another on the internet. And now look, I mean, we're, we're, we have such a good platform now to talk to so many people and change so many lives. And, uh, at the, you know, at the general look, if you go to Instagram or Facebook and we just created a website, humanresilienceproject.com, um, you know, if you look at any of those platforms, it looks like it might not be for you, the firefighter. Um, but just know that there is somebody who fought fire for a few years and there's a firefighter behind this. And, um, you know, I'm saying that because, uh, we're all human beings. And even though, you know, there's not flames on the, on the homepage or like a lot of pictures and content dedicated solely just to firefighters, uh, that's going to come. And we're talking about making more of a tactical branch off human resilience project and feeding that community, feeding all of you. Uh, good content related to you and the struggles you're going through, but we're all humans at the end of the day. And so even if that stuff's not up right now, 
um, you can still come to me with any questions or concerns that you have because I'm here for you. Um, and I, I was in your position at one time. Hell yeah, man. I'm sure these guys appreciate it. So with this whole COVID thing, since we're kind of coming full circle again, see how I tied that in there. (laughs) So this is a stressful time, man. And, uh, I know that human resilience project is it's putting out, you guys are putting out a lot of information on how to manage stress and how to kind of cope with what's going on around us. Uh, I know some of us are a little bit apprehensive on whether or not the season's going to start. Some of us have maybe lost jobs and it's a stressful time, man. So what do you got for us as far as tips, uh, for managing the stress? So first and foremost, um, I would, I would say, uh, start, start with gratitude. And it's really hard to have gratitude when you're in a position of uncertainty. Uh, fear is all around you. Um, you. You, like you said, you might be out of the job. But what you can control is is your response. You know, there's that that quote somewhere, that cheesy quote. It's mostly about you know what, what happens to you, but how you react to whatever's happened to you. And um, it's you know if you start listing off the things that you do have, and it might be very little right now, um, but if you start there. And start with with what stares back at you in the mirror. You know, uh, this this pandemic hasn't taken away your ability to think, your ability to to hopefully um, have your physical health. I mean, it, some people might be affected with that, um, but in general, most most people have not had their physical health taken away. Um, and even if those are the only two things you have right now, you have the capacity to to figure a way out, and you have the capacity to work on yourself and be thankful that you have that start with that gratitude start by saying one thing every day that you're thankful that you have and enroll with it the snowball effect um you know you might have heard of the snowball effect start with one little thing and then layer on something else every single day and pretty soon you're you're rolling with momentum you know that's how how you get going with any physical training program that's how you get going with saving money <laughs> with um with working towards a goal. It's one step at a time. And even though it feels chaotic right now, you can start there with gratitude. Number two, I would say is exercise. Uh, you know, this goes for anybody. Exercise has been proven to combat symptoms of depression. It has been proven to elicit a long-term, uh, positive physiological response. Uh, you know, all the good hormones that we talk about all the time, the good feelings that is true. And exercise can really uh, be an adjunct type of medicine to to other things that we might be using to fuel our bodies. So I would say keep exercising. Um, the third thing is uh, manage your stress. So if if it takes uh, filling your mind with positive things, uh, positive influences, the books, the podcast, uh, positive music, start there. Um, people. Uh, too often put themselves in environments that don't support their goals or support where they're at at this certain time. And that's when you run into trouble. It's, it's too often that our environments are actually the ceiling that keeps us down and make sure that your environment isn't the ceiling that's keeping you from getting through this tough time in your life right now. So look at the people around you, look at what you're putting into your mind, what you're listening to, what you're watching. I think that is all crucial things to start with those three. I would say gratitude, exercise, and environment. That's an important thing too. I mean, stay off of Facebook guys. I mean, there's a lot of negativity on social media these days, especially in light of the whole pandemic that's going around. I mean, 
it's that whole old adage of, you know, you keep feeding your mind garbage. Eventually it's going to become just a landfill. It's going to become garbage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, if even, you know, even with like the anchor point podcast, for example, I'll use this for me personally, because even at the beginning, when you and I had first spoken, you had just started the podcast and got, you know, a couple of guests on. And then I think you, you, were know, like you had my me on third or fourth. Guest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was just thinking like, you know, I, I continued to listen to the podcast even after you had me on and um, just some of the people that you brought on. I mean, it affected me in such a positive way. And it, you know, it took me back as they say to, to times that I had gone through. And even though I'm here in the Bay area, you're, uh, you know, technically like in a city far away from firefighting, um, I was still able to connect on, on a real level with somebody um, through shared experiences. So even if, you know, you're out with family or friends who don't understand what it means to be a wildland firefighter, what it means to deal with what you've dealt with, um, it doesn't mean that you can't reach out on the internet. It doesn't mean you can't fill your mind with stuff from things like the Anchor Point podcast, the Jocko podcast, from other tactical athletes and tactical groups who do know what you're going through and who do understand. Um, too often we, we say, we look around and say, well, I need five people around me to bring me up. Uh, and, and those five people, they don't have to be in a physical, uh, capacity. It can be just like listening to you on the podcast or listening to somebody else or reading a book. It's all about the information you're putting in. That's just as important as those people in close proximity to you. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's the thing is like this whole thing was founded on uh, building a better community of firefighters because I know a lot of people, they do lose that sense of community, especially in the wintertime, especially in the off season. But also it's an avenue to connect with shared experience, to connect with your tribe and learn from your tribe, even though they might be, I don't know, in Connecticut or something like that. So I definitely agree with you, man. Uh, you know, that shared experience and that shared uh I guess, effort, that tribe is what oftentimes builds us. And I think that, you know, if we were to be a little bit more connected, interconnected with each other, it's only going to improve everybody out there. I agree. I agree. And just because, and you know, I'm sure there's some folks uh, like me who may not have been uh, actively firefighting for like the past couple of years or few years or taking a break. And that's not an excuse to, to hide away. And to say, you know, that community doesn't care about me anymore, or, or why would they care about what I have to say? Um, even now, I reach out to guys, uh, men, men and women who are actively fighting fire, um, and I'm just checking on them. You know, during the winter time, I'm just saying, like, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, what's what's new? And a lot of times, it's a very positive response. I never get like negative feedback just because I'm not actively fighting fire anymore. I mean, we're still friends, and those bonds that you build at the end of the day with the people around you. Um, a lot of those are, are actually, they're real bonds and they're real friendships and relationships. And, um, it's important to water those, you know, to take, take care of those and keep growing them. Even as you move on to the next step of your life, just know that we're all in the same boat. Don't, you know, don't for one second think that you can't reach out and, and, you know, reconnect with people. Oh yeah, man. That interconnectedness, man. Uh, just because you're out of the game or you used to be a firefighter doesn't mean that the community doesn't care about you. So, and this is also a time that it's especially important to, uh, you know, check up on each other and, you know, have, have that system of support for each other because a lot of times no one else is going to understand what you've gone through. So relying on your community in that aspect, that's a huge game changer, especially as far as, uh, mental health goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mental health, like we were just saying, that's, uh, that's where it's at. I mean, if you're taking care of your mental state, uh, your, your brain and your mind, your mindset will take care of you. 
Oh yeah. Then the physical too. I mean, fire season is fast approaching, man. And, uh, rest assured it's, 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 it's definitely going to be here and, uh, with the virus or without the virus, it's going to happen. So it's also important to take care of your physical body as well. So what do you got for us as far as that? I mean, we can't go to the gyms cause gyms are closed. We do have the outdoors, uh, as long yeah. as you don't break curfew laws or anything like that. Of course, I'm not asking anybody to do anything illegal <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer here, but there's a lot of things you could do to keep up on your physical health. Uh, especially it, with fire season, just knocking at the door, they're at the front doorstep right now. So what do you got for us there in that aspect? So this, this is going to be a little bit, uh, tougher of a question. And, and I'm just going to start off by saying, if any of you, um, listen to this and, you know, walk away without a, a better understanding of what you can or can't do, um, you know, you feel free to reach out and I'm sure we'll give out ways to reach me at the end of this. Um, because, uh, I think everybody's very individualized and, you know, if it's your first season, uh, I have some special tips and some special things you want to be looking at versus if you've kind of done this before. Um, so I would say I, from what I've heard so far is a lot of people, uh, I believe are starting, they're bringing temps on in a few weeks here, which mm -hmm. doesn't leave us a lot of time. <laughs> so, um, what I would say is first of all, uh, accept, you know, the fact that fire season is quickly approaching and that it's time to get your butt in gear. <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> like, already, you should have done you this back in January. Exactly. So, so, um, and, and I've heard this, uh, from other people on the podcast and I'm happy to hear it is, uh, don't, you know, if you're, if you're new for one, don't train just to pass the pack test because that is the bare minimum. And if you're thinking that strapping on a pack and, uh, hiking, for 45 minutes or, you know, going around the track for 45 minutes every day is going to prepare you for fire season. It is not. And you are going to be dead wrong <laughs> as soon as you pass that. And then the crew or what, uh, what not takes you out for uh, some training. Exactly. Uh, you're you're going to, you're going to be hurting. <laughs> so yeah. Welcome to hell week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be uh, that guy or, or gal on the crew who's uh, suffering like that. So what you can do to prepare is um, I would say at this point is focus on, a mixture of strength and endurance with a more, uh, higher focus towards the endurance component. So, um, for people who don't have access to a home gym, um, which very few people do, um, if you can get even like one dumbbell or, or a kettlebell or jugs of milk or, or, you know, like milk jugs and fill them with like sand or water, um, that would be adequate to at least prepare you for fire season. If you can get a backpack at home, um, throw some weight in it. That would also be another training tool you can use. And I recommend, uh, multi, uh, joint exercises to best prepare you, especially for how little time that we have as the season comes close. Um, so things like lunges forward and reverse lunges are going to be really great for the hips, uh, and the knees. And that's crucial to hiking. Um, things like air squats. So if you can get a pack overhead, hold the pack overhead for overhead squats. If you can hold the pack of uh, weights, like a backpack of weights or like a dumbbell in front of you, do goblet squats, um, all those types of things. Absolutely crucial. If you can do things like uh, deadlifting objects around the house as well, um, that's going to be crucial to building lower back support and strength, uh, at core strength, legs, all that. So um, focus on those types of big movements. Uh, as far as the jogging and the running, I know that, you know, there's a lot of the older saltier, uh, veterans who, you know, swear by the old, you know, put in the 10 miles and then go hike. And I'm not here to change anybody's opinion about that. 
um, you know, but what the science says <laughs> and, and what we know evidence wise, that's not the best way to go about preparing a hotshot crew who, uh, who isn't too often going to be running during the season, uh, during the course of their job, a course of a shift. So for, I know a lot of people that have reached out, other firefighters are like, Hey, uh, is I'm running about eight miles right now. Is that good? You know, like, what do you, what kind of things do you recommend? I'm, I'm trying to get like up to 10 or 12 miles and I'm, I'm like, Hey, like, you know, that's, that's adequate. You know, I, I'd actually tone it back a little bit on the, on the running and jogging. Um, I'm not saying don't do that. I think that if you're not out jogging and running right now, you need to be, like you said, if you didn't start in January, um, you're, you're a step behind your peers and, uh, you really need to go out after this or while you're listening to this and get moving. Um, but I recommend two to three days a week of, uh, of jogging or running. If, um, if, if you can, uh, wherever you live, most places, like you mentioned, the social distancing rule is six feet apart. So if you're six feet apart, um, most of the time you can still go out and exercise. Uh, if you're gonna jog or run, I would aim for three to five miles. You really don't need much more than three to five miles. Um, the, the science has actually shown that three to five miles translates really well into building up aerobic capacity to go and carry a ruck around. And that research came from the military. Um, so like the army and some of the special forces groups were actually playing around with this uh, a few years ago. And that's part of what my research was for my doctorate degree was looking at the effects of different cross training modalities on preparation for physical performance. And so they're actually finding that injury risk is getting uh, reduced by lowering the amount of miles that they're putting on specifically with jogging and running and supplementing instead with some strength, strength training. Um, and then the, the hiking. So if you're out there running 10 miles, uh, tone it back a bit because you'll be fine. Um, a lot of times the way that physiology works is you end up hitting a steady state, um, intake of oxygen, meeting the demand of the run anyways. And that usually happens fairly quick. I don't want to throw out a number, but it happens quick. Um, so when you're two to three miles in, you're generally going to be okay, even to push to the eight to 10 mile mark. If the crew is out there taking you through that. Um, and most of it becomes mental after that. So <laughs> the mental <laughs> game, yeah, the mental game is definitely a thing though. I mean, I, that's 90, I think that's 90% of it really, especially when it comes to running. I mean, once you hit a plateau, yeah. you're, you're kind of in cruise control. Let's, let's be honest. I know everybody out there listening, if you can run five miles, you can run eight and you could probably run a half marathon, a marathon. It might be a little bit different, but that's where that mental component comes in. Exactly. And, and I, you know, hundred percent stand behind you. Maybe we'll get some uh, hate mail on that or something or some, some lashback. I guarantee but, you <laughs> some, <laughs> some salty hotshot soups out there. Like, yeah. oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's what the research says. And I think it's important to throw that out there because the majority of folks that's going to save them injuries and it's going to save them knee pain and hip pain, um, stuff like that. And another tidbit I wanted to toss out to you, uh, those of you who are actually going out and running, if you are uh, getting knee pain or hip pain this early in the season, some recommendations I would have is before anything is to increase your cadence and decrease your stride length. So don't reach out quite as far uh, with your foot or with your heel. Um, take shorter steps, just increase the, the, the amount of steps that you take. And so that's going to lower the forces going through the knees and the hips. And a lot of uh, runners, a lot of military police folks that I've treated in the past coming in, they you know complain of hip or knee pain and it gets fixed just like that. 
So if you lower your stride length and increase your cadence, that will help you out a lot. And I highly encourage you get into that habit now uh, before the season goes. Oh, absolutely. And that's another thing too, is like, I, I, I'm no expert runner or anything like that, but I've done a little bit of research on it. So it's kind of like one of those, uh, muddy water guesstimations, I guess you could say about a running clinic that I put on with some of my firefighters, uh, back at the station a couple of years ago, then last year as well. And it seems that, you know, if you, if you're, you should be striking your foot almost directly underneath your body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yep. if not a very little bit far, a little bit forward of the center line axis of your body. And everybody said that, Hey, you know what? I saw this professional runner and then watching, analyzing the way they run from a side view, a front view and a back view. It's helped my improve my stride. So mm-hmm. food for thought, I guess. Absolutely. And I, yeah, you hit the nail on the, on the head there and, um, something else I would, I would like to throw out there because I tend to get a lot of questions about this. So might as well toss it out there is there's no evidence to show that one shoe is better than the other shoe. Uh, the biggest factor in shoe selection is really just comfort (laughs) and which blows people's minds. It blows my mind. Sometimes I'm like, well, how can that be? You know, there's so many different shoes out there. The only really bad shoe that you could get is, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know if, the, I guess it's a name brand. I'll just say it anyways. I, I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, Vibram shoes, the, the five toe shoes. I hate it's those nothing things. To do, yeah. And it's nothing to do with like the brand. I don't have something against that, but they're not, they're not conducive to improving uh, your running. What they are is they overload the gastrocnemius and soleus complex so that your calves are just overworked like crazy. And a lot of people tend to develop some sort of a foot problem after that because the foot isn't allowed, the mechanics of the foot aren't allowed to go through their, their motion that they're made to go through. Um, so due to that, a lot of people start developing what they call plantar fasciitis. <laughs> They've got, uh, you know, they might, people might have sprained their Achilles tendon. Um, so if, if that's you, <laughs> find yourself a different pair of shoes. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll look a little less silly <laughs> and uh, you'll also be doing yourself a favor as far as uh, getting stronger and building your endurance and reducing your risk of injury. <laughs> Personal experience here. Uh, I had a, a firefighter complaining about foot and calf pain after every run and they're wearing those those shoes, that particular brand. And, uh, they kept complaining and complaining and complaining. I'm like, finally like, all right, let me see your shoes. What are you, what are you running on here? And she's, they, they show me this, this pair of shoes and I, I hold them up and I look at them and I just put them in the garbage. I'm like, yeah. go get some other shoes. <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah. You probably saved somebody, you know, a future of an Achilles tendon tear, yeah. something like that. Yeah. They're just, they're not conducive to, to what they, you know, what they uh, say they do. I mean, it was their only pair of running shoes. So I don't think they appreciated my, uh, my, oh. <laughs> my gesture of trying to help them in that way. But yeah. <laughs> Eventually they got some, uh, then some new shoes, but, uh, speaking of, of equipment and everything like that, I mean, I know that gyms are oftentimes closed right now, depending on where you live. Um, I'm thinking of like outside the box ideas for creating weights, like rocks are free. You probably have a back, a backpack. I mean, use your dog to do squats. I don't know, man. What do you, what do you got for like outside the box gym fitness equipment? Yeah. So, uh, you know, your dog is always a good one, depending on how big the dog is. You know, if you got a toddler or a kid, that's always uh, helpful to get the family in the mix. Um, but a lot of things. So, so as far as equipment goes, you know, uh, use the backpack, like you said, uh, jugs of water. I'm trying to think what else I have around here, uh, that I try to use at home. Um, kind of already hitting a wall with it because it is kind of hard to work out in home and your house. Um, so what I would say is think outside the box as far as base of support goes. Okay. So 
a squat with two legs is, is a lot easier than squatting with one leg. I, I personally cannot do a full pistol squat, you know, with one, one leg. Um, but if you, if you can or can't, um, you can start by doing a single leg squat down to your couch or to a chair up and down, do a single leg squat, do three sets of 15 repetitions of those. Um, when that gets easy, uh, you can try to go lower in the squat. Um, make sure that, you know, your knee is staying in line with your foot. Um, we don't get too much in the mechanics of that, but, uh, you know, try to go deeper. You can also add like a tiny weight. You can hold on to, like we said, that jug of milk, jug of water, that backpack, that'll all make single leg squats, uh, ridiculously hard. And if you can do three sets of 15 single leg squats, uh, you know, then you, you must be pretty strong and doing pretty well as far as being in shape goes. So for most people that are listening to this, that's going to really be a killer workout is the single leg squats. Uh, thing is something else that I, I, I tell people is if you have little access to weights is pay attention to the tempo. So the speed of the movement that you're doing, um, you can go through a, a push up workout and play with, you know, holding, holding certain positions, holding certain ranges of motion throughout the pushups and hold that for 10 seconds at a time. And then go through the rest of the range, hold it for 10, go through the rest of the range, do that for higher sets of like 25 or 30, um, at a time. Uh, you can play with uh, decreasing the rest breaks between whatever you're doing. Um, so a lot of people tend to hang out, uh, get on their phone, uh, look for another song to, to play with on the playlist. I mean, if you decrease your rest breaks to like 30 seconds or 15 seconds at a time, that's going to amp up the level of working out that you're doing. Um, other things you can do is like, you know, bodybuilding techniques is like what they call supersetting. You do a set of one exercise and then you go back to, a different exercise with the opposite muscles. And so instead of getting a rest break, you know, you might do uh, say push ups, and then you switch over to like some sort of like lat pull down or uh, a pull up. So you're working the back muscles, then you're working the chest muscles. So instead of getting a good break, you just keep on going through your workout and you're building that capacity up the whole time. Um, so I think, you know, those are some good tips is uh, tempo rest breaks, uh, doing exercises to fill in the, the void of a rest break. Um, and then single limb work. I mean, if, if people, you know, it's really hard to do a single limb pull up. It's really hard to do a single, uh, arm push up. It's hard to do a single leg squat. So if you're one of those people, I mean, you're doing pretty well already, but I think for most of us, that'll help. Dude, I love unilateral exercises, man. Like, uh, even like if it's like a kettlebell or something like that, you're doing a single arm kettlebell walk. I mean, something as simple as that, that's going to just roach your core. Absolutely. Kettlebells are highly underrated too. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of times, uh, I talk about, you know, like some of the, the bigger movements like squats and deadlifts and all that, but I mean, just one kettlebell will absolutely destroy you. Um, if, you, if you're using good core control, if you're trying to keep your mechanics, right. Um, I mean, just the, the ballistic movement behind that is going to challenge every muscle in your body. And if you don't have a kettlebell, you can do a lot of the same kettlebell swings and kettlebell workouts with a dumbbell. Um, that's what a lot of people forget. I mean, if you have a dumbbell, just use it like a kettlebell. <laughs> it's pretty easy to forget about that, but everybody's like, so oh, this is a specific thing, you know, it's, it's like, think outside the box guys. I mean, you're, 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 you're stuck in your house anyways. You yeah. might as well. <laughs> yeah. We're in a pandemic here. We, we can't be too uh, choosy with what, what we've got. <laughs> Make it happen, man. But Make it happen. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's another thing too, is it's, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, if you start getting creative with your workouts and creative with uh, your mental health game and reading, you know, it's, it's just going to cure a lot of this boredom 
I know a lot of folks are just sitting there glued to the TV, just just hitting that panic IV with the with the news. Yeah. It's like, all right, we know what's going on. Yeah. Listen to it for, I don't know, you could probably look at the news for 15 minutes and it's just going to repeat every 15 minutes. So once you've seen 15 minutes of it, you're done. You've seen it all. Congratulations. Exactly. You're up exactly. To <laughs> yeah. Like, like we had mentioned before, don't waste this time. I mean, fire season's coming. And uh, I think you know, too often wildland firefighters, because our work is so bulked up in a certain time frame, uh, we do tend to forget that like, Hey, we need, we need to be on the go on the ready at all times. And for those you know, of us, uh, those of you that are season, like truly seasonal and have been at home, I mean, that's not an excuse to, uh, still not grow physically and mentally and come back to the table and present some, some good things to, to your team when the season starts and to hit the ground running. Um, because you are a first responder and you are a tactical athlete and you are, um, a crucial piece to the puzzle, um, that the public relies on. And it's easy to, you know, kind of go and like surf or ski or snowboard in the, in the winter time and feel like you're just another, uh, one of the, the public. And, you know, you don't really have a lot of responsibility cause you're off <laughs> or whatnot. And your responsibility start in April or May, but, uh, in reality, um, the people that go into fire. Uh, they're a special breed, special group, and don't forget how special you really are. Um, don't forget that there are, pe- there are people that look up to you. There are kids that look up to you. Um, even though you might not be on one of those shiny red trucks um, that like the municipal departments get to be on, you're not like what everybody thinks of when they draw a picture of firefighters with a Dalmatian dog. Um, you are a firefighter and you have, you have a responsibility to yourself, your team, and the public uh, to carry yourself properly. So don't waste this time. I mean, have, have a better mentality about it. Uh, you know, seasonal work, but it's a full-time job. It's a full-time responsibility. Oh yeah. Don't squander this opportunity. That's for sure. But also don't at the same time, you know, I mean, back to the whole physical fitness thing. I mean, definitely, uh, don't overdo it because all this boredom, you might be overtraining. So what do you, how do you recognize the facts that you're overtraining? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and overtraining typically happens and people who are, who are new to what they're doing. So usually you're doing too much too fast. Um, and what I like to make, I like to put a spin on it a little bit, um, for like my patients, clients, what have you is, are you overtrained or are you under recovered? And what I mean by that is too often the problems that we're dealing with isn't because we're, uh, you know, adding up too many weights in the gym, um, not, not doing, uh, hard enough workouts. It's because we're not taking the time to manage our stress, to get enough sleep at night, get seven to nine hours of sleep. We're not hydrating properly. We're feeding our body crap. And then we're wondering why do why am I feeling so bad? You know, why, why did I go on a workout and I'm just feeling awful right now? So are you, are you overtrained or under recovered? <laughs> That's a big thing too. And I, I know a lot of those, uh, a lot of my friends are kind of that, that adage that, uh, that mentality of like, oh yeah, you're, there's no such thing as overtraining. You're just over under recovered. So, I mean, is there any truth think, to that? There is quite a bit of truth to that. Um, just, just for the sheer fact that our bodies are robust. Um, you know, think about a, a fire shift, like a gnarly shift. I mean, we're able to get through so much in such a, you know, 16 hours or, or more, a 24 hour shift doesn't feel short, but in the, the span of your life, um, you know, 24 hours is not very long. And so it just goes to show you, uh, you know, you can accomplish a lot in a little bit of time if you're prepared for it. 
Um, and then again, you're, if you go back and you have adequate sleep and time to recover, you're going to be fine to do that all over again. Uh, but for those who are looking for symptoms of overtraining, uh, I dug up, you know, some of the latest guidelines and research on that. So some symptoms that might tell you that you are actually overtraining are the following, uh, fatigue, depression, um, abnormal heart rate. So if you feel like your heart at rest is just like pounding, pounding like crazy, or if it's actually, they've actually shown research uh, to show that some people's heart rate just drops and you feel like you're not even alive. <laughs> you know, it's just going so slow. <laughs> and so abnormal heart rate, <laughs> uh, loss of motivation. That's a key one. So if, if all of a sudden you find like, wow, I just, I'm not, at, not that into this. I'm feeling burned out already. Well, it's because you are burned out. It's because you are doing too much too, too fast. Um, insomnia. So the ability to, you know, you're not getting good sleep. You're having trouble falling asleep. Uh, being irritable is a big one. And again, that, that irritability, depression, uh, loss of motivation, you know, that mental aspect, it's telling you like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing too much. Um, other things to look at is restlessness, uh, weight loss. So if you are not allowing your body time to recover, if you're overdoing it, um, your, your body is going to, uh, you're, you're not building any mass. You're just continually take away. You continually take out of the bank account that is your body and you're not building any muscle. That's a good sign that you're overtraining. Huh. And, you know, that, that's another thing, too, is like all this is going to be uh, one of those things is where you need to, like, listen to your body. I mean, your body is probably a lot smarter than you are, I guess. If yeah. you could say, <laughs> It knows what's up. OK, so listen to yep. it. Also, back it up with good nutrition, too, because that nutrition is going to help you. It's easy to get sucked into drinking coffee all day, like me, guilty, <laughs> drinking coffee, and it's one o'clock in the afternoon and uh, eating potato <laughs> chips and just being, a, I don't know, a lazy garbage eater, I guess you could say. So <laughs> It's easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you hit it on the head there, too. I mean, nutrition, it, it's so crucial. So, uh, you know, your performance uh, grouping there really is is recovery which includes sleep, uh, hydration and nutrition and stress management. So as far as the nutrition goes, you know, it's, it's easy to log on to the Instagram or whatnot. And I just keep seeing people tagging me and like, Hey, I'm taking a shot, take one with me. Or, you know, like I'm, I'm drinking a white claw over here, bro. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> I'm like, how is this a thing? How are people just, you know, taking this time to sit back and drink and eat ice cream and, and hang out. <laughs> so oh, if that's you, if that's you try to hop off that bandwagon, because again, fire season's coming up. So some tips that we give to people, um, and even some firefighters that I've worked with over the past year is, um, protein, lots of protein. Um, if, if you're like a vegan or vegetarian, uh, you can reach out to me and I'll find you a list of high protein sources off the bat. I can't think of anything. Um, I, I have them written down. I just more so deal with people who do consume, uh, meat products. And so I, you know, chicken, fish, uh, you know, turkey, those types of things are very good. And a good place to start, start is 1.8 gram per kilogram. Again, if somebody wants to reach out and you want me to help you calculate what your protein should be, uh, feel free. I'll do it. I'll do it, you know, for free. It's, it's very easy. Um, but some people have trouble converting the grams or the kilograms and pounds over. <laughs> so, Just, so all you gotta do is do it. you get a 2.2. That's all, that's all it is. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell people all that all the time, but I don't know. It never comes out right, but I know we're not point. rocket scientists or anything like that, but you did have a damn calculator on your phone. It's pretty easy to but figure out. You can also Google, you can, you can Google it. <laughs> so one, 1 1.8 gram per kilogram is a good place to start, especially for those that are getting ready for fire season. And even now, I mean, if you're sitting at your, your house, 
um, you know, just consuming empty calories without nutritional value, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, something that everybody should look at is, is the density of their food. So does it, you know, is it full of vitamins? Is it full of proteins and good fat? Is it full of carbs? Uh, there's no reason to fear carbs. Actually, the fire community, you absolutely do not want to deprive yourself of carbs because carbs fuel the glucose, um, which it, you know, in turn fuels your, your mental capacity. It keeps your engine revving. So if you're, I know, you know, we won't get into this today, but there's a lot of things out there about like uh, keto and carnivore and those are all fine individually. But if you're, you know, you're a firefighter, um, you need to have some carbs. And, and I have the science to show that tactical uh, performers, operators should have, you know, well-rounded diets. <laughs> so <laughs> make sure, make sure you're, you're keeping an open mind. It's okay if you're doing that in the off season, but as the season ramps up, you're going to need some blood glu- glucose. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, I mean, your, your brain literally functions on sugar, which is glucose. So you need that to actually think. So eat some damn carbs. Speaking of which, (laughs) speaking of which, man, do you do uh, macros and like nutrition planning and anything like that? Yes. Uh, that is something that we do. Um, we have a couple of options out there, uh, a couple of paid options. And then, like I said, if you have any, like if you just have a question or have something that, you know, isn't very in depth, more than willing to do that for free just to give back to y'all. Um, but if you do have like, you know, some bigger goals, like, you know, I want to put on 10 pounds, even with the beginning of the season coming up, um, we can make it happen. It's going to be hard because over the course of a season, uh, research and studies show that everybody's body mass tends to decrease and everybody gets thinner. So again, another, uh, kind of hopping on the, the uh, loudspeaker there is if you didn't start in January, it's going to be really hard to start now. Um, but it's not impossible. So if you want, you know, certain body weight goals, uh, body mass goals, we do that. Uh, we do charge for that just because it takes, um, some coaching behind that. So there's, it's, it's a lot more in depth than people think it's not just macro calculating and here you go. I mean, if you feel like you can get away with that, then that's fine. But a lot of times it's behavioral, uh, changes. It's, it's check-ins, it's having somebody to be accountable to. And those are the services that we provide. Um, is accountability really and nutritional counseling. Yeah. I mean, just having somebody to, to keep you on track and say, um, you know, what's going on, what stressor do you have in your life right now that is keeping you from, you know, hitting your daily macros? Uh, how can I help you? Let me give you some tips, some hints. I have an outsider's perspective and sometimes it helps to have a coach. Well, that too. And it's, it's not a one size fits all kind of programming, whether it be fitness, nutrition or anything else, really. I mean, it's, that's the whole thing when people fail to realize is there's no magic pill as far as a one size fits all kind of planning scenario. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, too often people lump themselves in with uh, everybody else in the world and we're all just so individualized we have uh, individual goals. We have unique job titles and positions. Um, and even if you're, you know, uh, on a hotshot crew versus say, uh, like an engine crew, I mean, your demands, your physical demands, your day-to-day work, it could be different. It might not. I mean, you might be very similar to what other crews are doing. Um, but you just have to know yourself and it really helps to have a coach. I mean, even, uh, myself, if I have some health or fitness related goals, uh, or some mental, um, emotional support that I might need. I mean, it is healthy to go find a therapist, to find a clinician, to find a coach, even, even myself, I go out and do that because, uh, you know, like you said, accountability, uh, really rides and trumps all things is, is when you have somebody to talk to and somebody to keep you on point. 
um, it's very helpful in reaching your goals. Oh yeah, man. That's another thing too. It's like, don't be, don't be afraid to reach out to a clinician. I mean, some, a lot of people are going to be like the hard headed types, especially in this line of work. I mean, like, no, I, I don't need this. I'm too tough for it. You know, no, yeah. <laughs> try it, try it. See if you can exactly. change your mind. Yeah. It's, it's very helpful. I, I recommend doing it. I mean, if, if, uh, too often, I think that we think we can do things on our, on our own and we can deal with certain uh, situations on our own and, and just, we got to face it. I mean, we're human. Um, if I have some real severe mental, uh, or emotional thing that I need to address, I mean, I'm not equipped to do that. I'm equipped to do basic things. Uh, and you know, I, I can pick up and refer out and all that. Um, but the responsible choice to make for yourself or other people you're dealing with is to refer out to the expert. Um, you know, if you're, if you're hurt, go see a physical therapist. If you, feel like you have some bug or, or some virus, go see a physician. I mean, there's so many people out there who, who work for this and look forward to you coming to see them. So, so use them. <laughs> use the proper <laughs> tool in the toolbox. Yes, please. Oh, and, it, uh, you know, one more thing about the, uh, things that we're doing at human resilience project is the physical fitness piece of it. So I talked about the nutrition counseling. We also do uh, exercise training templates, whatever you might want to call it. What's special about us though, and a little plug, I'll just say um, to, for us is that uh, I, I know what it's like to be a firefighter. I know the demands. I did research on it. So I understand what you need, um, what your specific job requires. And not only that, the, the background in physical therapy that I, has, that I have allows me to specialize uh, whatever plan you're on to you and your individual needs. So somebody that may have had like an ACL repair um, six months ago, but is, uh, going in, going to get into a crew in another three to six months, their goals and their method of training, their exercise selection is going to be very different than, uh, the totally healthy 18 year old. Um, so keep that in mind as well is that it's not just, uh, training for, for looks or, or performance in a general sense. But if you have some, you know, low back pain, if you have like a history of shoulder, uh, a tear in your shoulder, or uh, other issues that you're dealing with, we can also work around that and help you through that. So that's another positive uh, to having somebody in, in, this, in this field uh, working with you. Hell yeah, man. Well, damn, dude, that was, that was really encompassing. I like this episode. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Human Resilience Project, definitely reach out to you guys and Dr. Anthony Harrell here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> so side note here, this is all opinion, of course. So what do you think that uh, the COVID scare, the COVID pandemic is going to do for fire camps these days? Do you think uh, things are going to stop? People are going to stop licking the handrails and chow line? <laughs> Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think we like to we like to uh, tempt the beast as long as we can until we get bit. And then after we get bit, we're like, gosh, dang it. You know, why did nobody why did nobody tell me? You're like, I should listen. But we, we have like a especially the fire community we really love to push the limit. <laughs> and if you're pushing the limit, I mean, at least, uh, you know, make it cool. Don't go licking handrails or, <laughs> you know, not washing your hands in fire camp. That's just, no, nobody cares. And, and if anything, you're just putting yourself at risk. Um, push other limits, that's fine. But the fire camps, I think in reality, uh, I think some of our, our higher ups and uh, our experts in like infectious disease control, I think that they're going to, propose ideas, but I don't think we're going to see any big changes right off the bat. I would like to think so. I'm not sure what your opinion is, 
uh, I just don't see big changes. I don't think so either too. And that logistically, I mean, logistically speaking, I, I don't think you can do much. It is what it is at this point. I mean, there might be some increased uh, precautions, standard precautions taken, but that's probably about it. Wash your damn hands. There's your PSA of the day. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Watch it. 20 seconds too. It's not, you know, it's not five seconds, rinse them off, wipe them on your pants. It's uh, 20 seconds, two happy birthday songs, whatever, whatever you prefer. But man, really put some effort into washing hands. It's 20 seconds. It's a third of a minute. It's a small sliver of your day to keep yourself and your loved ones and us all healthy. So do us a favor just wash your hands thoroughly, please. <laughs> And that's the thing, man, that's uh, you bring up a good point there. I mean, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, this isn't going to affect me. Well, no, it'll affect you. The virus itself will affect you. You're going to get sick, but it's going to affect someone that you may love or care about a hell of a lot more, especially those at risk populations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, you know, it, it's primarily at the beginning, they were saying that it, it was affecting the elderly. Um, and still, I think the elderly, uh, 65 and above. So people like our parents' age, grandparents, uh, they're like the most prone to, you know, the fatal side of things. Um, but even, even then, I mean, they're seeing people between 18 and 64 who are being infected and, uh, passing away. And that's really sad. I mean, th those are our spouses, our partners, our, our friends. Um, so, you know, it's not just about you. And I think it's important to, uh, to remember that. Absolutely. Well, man, I think that's about the time for uh, the tie-in point for the show. Um, we've learned a lot today, though. I mean, we've gone over COVID, of course, uh, from a very uh, outside view. Like I said, we are both not uh, virologists or <laughs> infectious disease controls <laughs> control specialists, but uh, definitely, you know, wash your damn hands. You got some tips and tricks as far as uh, making your mental game on point during this time, some stress relievers, boredom relief, and getting your damn PT on. That's good. Absolutely. This is good stuff, man. So where can we find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, I, like I said before, I prefer that more, I, I may or may not have said this before. Actually, I don't think I said this. Um, if you're looking for content, it would be cool if you checked out human resilience project. It's just at human resilience project on Instagram. Uh, we also made a webpage. It's humanresilienceproject.com. Um, you can also email us at humanresilienceproject at gmail.com. Uh, and then also we're also on Facebook. So those would be like the best places to find educational content. Uh, I do appreciate some of the followers that I've had on my personal page, um, but I don't post as much stuff, uh, you know, much helpful stuff on that. It's more uh, personal stuff, though. My goal this year is to post more fire specific related content to my page because I do appreciate the following and I do that there. I do know that there is a need for more fire content out there. And so I'm kind of, you know, I'm taking responsibility and accountability for the fact that we need that. And so in 2020, um, I can't promise the speed or the rate that I'll do it, uh, dealing with other life things, but I would like to post more fire content on my personal page. So, and that's just at, uh, dpt um, on Instagram. Hell yeah, man. So, and as in normal tradition at the end of the show, I like to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to a homie, hero, mentor, couple of them, few of them, you take it, take it from here, man. Yeah. Uh, again, I'd like to give a shout out. I gave a shout out to him the first time around my, my old captain, Dale Mendes, uh, you know, he passed away way too young, but some of the, I'd like to just, you know, stay positive here as far as like, man, the guy taught me so much about what it means to be, um, a human, what it means to persevere, to be disciplined and to, to really make a change in the world. He had some strong, strong beliefs and, um, he really loved his work. 
he was a great firefighter and he really instilled that passion into me uh, for other aspects of my life. So shout out to, to him, very forever grateful to him. Uh, other person I'd like to shout out to is my fiance. Um, you know, she's doing the human resilience project with me. And I mean, she is just kick ass as far as like understanding, being understanding and empathetic to what firefighters go through in that community. Um, and she just, you know, she's ready to rock whichever way we want to go with human resilience project. So I am really grateful to her as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people out here. I, I, you know, again, I wasn't told to say this, but I think it's important for people to hear it. Um, me being out of fire for the past few years is like giving you a shout out as well, man. The anchor point podcast has really changed lives. Uh, you brought on some really good characters and good people. Um, and this was so needed. And so, you know, again, we did not talk about this. You didn't ask me to say this. I'm just going to say though, you know, I'm like really happy that you did this because being out of fire for a few years, I felt so disconnected and you, you, you tend to lose who you are. You forget who you are. You forget how many badass things you've done. You forget how hard you've worked in the past. And it's easy to forget that until somebody reaches out and reminds you. And I think the anchor point podcast did that. And so, uh, you know, shout out to you, man. I I'm really happy to be a part of this and I'm hoping to collaborate with you in the future. And I'm excited to see where it goes because quite frankly, uh, you're filling a major gap. And, um, I think with you filling that gap, it's encouraging other professionals like myself to come back and say like, Hey, like, you know, he's filling that gap. Like where, where else can I plug in? Where else can I use my training as a physical therapist? Uh, my knowledge in the human body, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, where else can I fit in my expertise and kind of toe the line with him side by side and, uh, fill in some, some gaps and kind of create more information for people out there and hopefully build this community uh, uh, with you. And, you know, it's been great. It's been great. So, you know, shout out to you as well, man. I think you deserve some recognition there. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Um, I'd definitely like to collaborate with you in the future again. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be your uh, final <laughs> endeavor on this uh, podcast, but <laughs> yeah. dude, anything I can do to help, I definitely appreciate the stuff that you're putting out there with Team and Resilience Project. It's awesome. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. I, I had a great time being on again. You know, if anybody has questions or whatnot, uh, they can reach out to you uh, to connect with me or just reach out to me personally. Like I said, I, I'm here and I really get excited when people reach out. So please feel free. Hell yeah, man. Well, Dr. Harold, or do you just want to call you Anthony? I don't know. <laughs> hey, man, we're, we're buddies now. You can call, you can call me Anthony. <laughs> just don't call me Shirley, right? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, yeah, we'll collaborate again in the future for sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. Right on, dude. Take care. Boom. There you go, guys. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with Dr. Anthony Harrell. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show, man. And it's uh, it's interesting because we didn't really script this one out. And uh, it was kind of freeform. And those are the kind of shows that I enjoy the most. But also, I enjoy the fact that you're remaining positive and you're sharing those tips uh, to the rest of us as far as fitness not losing your damn mind during this whole corona quarantine or anything like that and the reassurance that fire season is still going to come it is right around the store right around the corner and uh, i think it's important that you guys get all of your stuff in order just because the coronavirus is here doesn't mean that fire season is going to stop so be prepared 
Anyways, guys, I hope that you enjoyed the show. Dr. Harrell, thank you for coming on the show and sharing some insight. And uh, yeah, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, keep sharing your posts. Keep uh, sharing your Instagram posts and tagging us in that. And uh, if you guys got some time, go back through the catalog and uh, listen to some older episodes. You know, brush up on some stuff that we have uh, pre- previously highlighted, and it might help you guys out, especially for you uh, rookies that are starting out this season. So, a lot of good information here. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all of the guests that have been on the Anchor Point podcast. So, hope everybody's doing well once again, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>